All right, here we go. I I have a feeling Rachel's going to be inserting herself quite a bit. She, she's she's she good. Feels... Espresso. No, that's good. You know what? Keep that same energy. Here we go. Three, two, one. Melody Barnes, CEO, had a vision to help parents equip again. Practical tips, address behaviors, implement strategies, change the atmosphere in your home. Open up to Hello, and welcome to the Family Nuggets podcast. My name is Melody Barnes, your family nugget giver. What is the family nugget? It's nuggets of information that I have gleaned from over 20 years as a teacher. Teachers are good advice givers. But do you have a teacher that's right in your back pocket? Well, now you do. Now, I must tell you, this advice is meant to be used for your enjoyment and is not meant to replace professional counseling. Please seek professional counseling outside the realm of this podcast if you are in need of additional help. Family Nuggets loves families. And if you love having a teacher that loves families with you all the time, then welcome to my podcast and enjoy. Welcome to the Family Nuggets podcast. My name is Melody Barnes and I am your host. This season, again, I am joined by two wonderful family coaches. Their names are Marlene and Rachel. Let's give it up for Marlene and Rachel. Yeah. Hello. 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 Listen, everyone, today's episode is all about big emotions. And before we begin this episode, I just wanted to say we acknowledge that we are all doing our best as parents. We see you and we understand. So information from this episode comes from the following sources. I'm just going to spell it. <laughs> B-L-U. T-C-H-I-K-S, Wheel of Emotions. Um, A few articles, but one that stood out to me the most was associations between vocal emotional recognition and social emotional regulation in children. An article published in 2021. I will link the information to this article and the Wheel of Emotions in our podcast notes. So the first part of this episode, we want to let you know what are big emotions. This is a hot topic. This is something I've been hearing all over parent education sites, um, on Clubhouse. I've been hearing about it even on talk shows. What are big emotions? Mm -hmm. So when we think about big emotions, I want us to think about a wheel. And in this particular wheel of emotions that I'm speaking of, the wheel has a center then it has a second layer and a third layer. And in the middle, in the center, are six emotions, six main emotions. And those are anger, fear, disgust, happy, and sad. Big emotions emote big reactions from adults or caregivers. Big emotions can cause us, the adults, the family members, to react to the emotion when it is physically displayed. I have seen big emotions play out in classroom after classroom that I've taught in, that I've visited. Um, 
as a teacher, even as a parent. And it did not matter the school or the setting. I also know that big emotions play out in your homes, in our homes. So I am no stranger to big emotions and their physical responses. So allow me to give you a few examples of what I've seen. When children are angry, I have seen chairs thrown, tables scratched up, paint eaten. I've seen hitting, pushing, screaming, spitting, biting, drawers in the classroom emptied, dumped over, and the contents thrown around like confetti. (laughs) When children are feeling fear, much of what happens when a child is angry there is often those same physical reactions. Again, chairs thrown, hitting, pushing, etc. And you can add to that running away or even yelling. When a child experiences disgust, I have seen children shut down, refuse to talk or eat. When a child is sad, often I've seen a child cry, scream, walk away, or even try to hurt themselves by blaming themselves or calling themselves names or other children names. When a child is happy, can you guess what I might say here? Take a moment and recognize that you might be feeling relief that I'm at this point of describing emotions. Probably the only positive emotion in this big emotions list. When a child is experiencing happiness, they often laugh, smile, hug the person they feel is responsible for their happiness. They are usually calm, content, and can often complete longer tasks and stay with an activity. Most often, we want a child to experience happiness. In fact, many of us spend Many of us spend as much of our resources ensuring a child's happiness. Even if happiness is not the goal of every moment of every day, we are hoping to achieve some level of happiness every day. It helps us feel calm and regulated when it appears that our child is happy. But what if we told you that all of these feelings are important, all of them, all of these big emotions are important and they are needed. It's how we deal with them that can calm even the biggest emotions. So are you ready for the expressway response? So let's break this down. It is your voice that can cause an emotion to either be calmed or be escalated. The article entitled Associations Between Vocal Emotional Recognition and Social Emotional Regulation in Children states that the human voice is a major source of emotional information that reflects a primitive and universal form of communication. And we're going to talk so much about that later, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. If we respond with a big vocal response, we will add to the already vocal expression that is happening when big emotions are being physically displayed. Let's take the biggest physical responses I mentioned. Chairs thrown, table scratched, 
paint eaten, hitting, pushing, screaming, spitting, biting, drawers emptied out. The child is expressing the feeling physically, but it is often our response that can do one of two things. Number one, it can escalate it further, causing it to continue or happen again, or calm it down over time. And you might be thinking, how could I possibly stay calm when a child is being so physical? They can hurt themselves, others, or me. And you're right, they could. But before you yell, scream, or shout, imagine what approaching the child might do if it is done gently and even non-verbally that it is time to stop the behavior. You may not believe this works. <laughs> Sounds like something that may not work for your community or line up with your beliefs. I totally get it. But allow me to share with you that although I have seen all of these things in my classroom in 25 years, I have not yelled, screamed, or physically hurt a child, even in the most physically demanding situations. And every one of those children were able to change their behavior in my classroom based on my response. It did not matter who they were, how old they were, three, four, five, didn't matter how big or small, how smart, how many languages they spoke, their economic status, none of it mattered. All that mattered was my response. Simply put, yelling equals more yelling. Screaming equals more screaming. Yelling and screaming can startle and create more physical aggression. It wasn't too long ago when I was still in the classroom that I stood at my doorway with a child clawing at my arms and screaming at me for hours every day. In the beginning, I gave a vocal response to give instructions once or twice. And the vocal instruction was to sit down. That was all I wanted the child to do. The child wouldn't do it. They continued to claw at me. I had scratches on my arms, scream at me. And once I gave the, ro the verbal command once or twice, then I moved to a nonverbal command. And that was just to show a picture of a chair. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. And I would just point to it. Because sometimes even speaking, that vocal response, even if it's calm, can cause the child to be like, oh, you're speaking, then I'm going to give a vocal response too. And even if that vocal response is yelling or screaming, that's what I'm going to give back. Then it went to no commands at all. Because I've already given the verbal, I've already given the nonverbal, and then it just went to a reminder after a few minutes. The child was safe, other children were safe. And after some time, and I do mean days, the child calmed and began to regulate their own emotions. The child began to understand that my emotions were not moved by theirs. 
it does work and it can work for you. So now that I've explained this expressway of helping your child with big emotions and just giving you a really, really surface level way of dealing with it, if you think you need a different route from my expressway, Marlene has you covered. All right, Marlene, tell us about the highway of dealing with big emotions. Yes, Melody. Okay, so I too have seen big emotions play out in the classroom. I've recently shown a picture of a room that was trashed on my Instagram page. Uh, so chairs and tables were flipped over and there was like about 10,000 pieces of Lego that looked like confetti everywhere. It was a disaster. Um, I've seen, I've had big emotions. My kids have had big emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's so important for all of us to remember that we all have big emotions. Mm-hmm. There's so often that we try to stop our kids from having these big emotions. Meanwhile, there we are yelling, cursing out, you know, that car that has just swooped in and took our parking space and we've mm -hmm. totally <laughs> lost our cool, right? And so mm -hmm. we all um, may express our big emotions differently uh, and it may be uncomfortable but we can't eliminate it. And so I just want to make sure that point, um, you know, is, is heard because we often try so hard to eliminate these big emotions. Uh, and mm -hmm. we can't, if, so if we can't eliminate it, I guess the question is, what do we do? So there are some things that we could do to reduce some of these big emotions. So I think it's also very important that before we discuss what to do with the child who's displaying these big behaviors, we take a step back and think of some proactive strategies. So is there, are there things that can be put in place that would help eliminate, you know, those child's feelings of anger and uh, feeling afraid? Um, you know, is there something maybe that makes this child extra excited and maybe, you know, overly happy and unable to even con control those happy emotions um, as well? What are some things that make this child sad and how can we reduce, you know, the, the possibility of that happening so it doesn't, so that they don't encounter those feelings? So research validates, and I can confirm from my own experiences as a mom and, and, and as an educator, uh, how important structures and routines are. Structure and routines help kids understand expectations and make them feel safe. And a lot of times, you know, we feel anxious, our kids feel anxious because they are uncertain of what the expectations are and there's no consistency. And mm -hmm. so how do we be consistent and make expectations clear? And so again, I have seen this play out many times in the classroom and many times just again in my own house when I'm feeling a little frazzled and unsure of what's happening, when my kids are, you know, when I suddenly abrupt and make changes, 
you know, sometimes that totally throws my kids off and I see some big emotions. So it's so important to always just take a step back and think about, okay, so why am I seeing these big emotions now? What has happened? What has changed? Is there a pattern in, you know, what I'm seeing? This will help you to implement some proactive strategies. So some other examples of proactive strategies uh, to reduce big emotions is sleep. So sleep is a big one, of course. So how much sleep does your child get? How much sleep are you getting, right? Wait, yeah. wait, can I interrupt you here, yeah. Marlene? This is this is so key. Uh, you talk about sleep, and I, I'm only interrupting because this really hits home for me, even as an adult, um, that I don't get enough sleep. So can you just touch on this just a little bit? Why is sleep so important when reducing big emotions? Yeah, so of course, when we are rested, when our brain is in a, and I know Rachel's probably gonna go, you know, right into <laughs> this, so, so, I, so I won't say much, but um, of course, when we feel rested, we all know what it's like to have a really good sleep and to wake up, you know, we our body feels calm, we're able to process information more, we're able to handle frustrating situations mm -hmm. because we can now process and think through, right? We have a moment to just stop for a second and say, okay, I can make a choice here. What am I going to do? I'm not going to yell, but what are my choices, right? When we're mm -hmm. tired and, you know, we're sleep deprived. And again, when our kids are sleep deprived, like there's our brain is unable to process yeah. um, as much. And our in our ability to um, our impulse, our impulse control is out the window. Right. There's that no, is so true. Yeah. There's the, the ability to, to stop and to think of your choices are greatly reduced. And so. Um, you know, <clears throat> and, um, so I, I know even with my kids, I can almost count down if my kids have had like three context consecutive days where they've gone to bed late. Um, mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee now and say like, I'm going to get a call from the teacher. Today. <laughs> like, I, I, I almost know, right. Cause you know, they're just going to be unable to regulate and, and, mm -hmm. and do that. Mm -hmm. So, and being proactive too. some of the things that you can throw in there is like, my child does not sleep because yeah. that is a big thing in our household. We are emotional puddles without sleep. I whine when I'm really sleepy and I have no adult uh, decision-making skills at all. <laughs> all I want are cuddles <laughs> and, and a blanket. I don't want to make any decisions and my emotions, um, you know, if I'm if I'm feeling big emotions at the time, sadness or anything, they're going to be extra sad. Um, if I'm angry, oh boy, I'm going to be extra angry or any of those emotions. It's going to be extra because I'm feeling extra um, because I haven't had rest or it's time for me to achieve some level of rest. So I just wanted to, you know, add to that uh, because you're talking about how sleep is so important to regulating our emotions. And I don't think we even talk enough about that. Um, we talk a lot about diet. I hear a lot of conversations about that. Um, loud sounds in the environment. I hear a lot about that. Even when I get ready to watch like a Disney show on Disney Plus, they'll be like, there's like a warning. There's going to be lights or, you know, 
some kind of flashing in the cinematography just to warn you. But it doesn't say, do your child get enough sleep before you watch this? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I think the other really important thing there is to be able to prepare yourself for nights that you didn't sleep well. I am an emotional puddle. I will just cry. Everything will make me cry. Everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I didn't sleep last night. We are having a frozen pizza for dinner. <laughs> because I will cry trying to open up the bag of ravioli. Like, it just <laughs> isn't a thing. Um, so to give yourself grace there, too. Like, what are you going to do mm -hmm. in those situations? And that preparedness that you were talking about, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so again, it goes back to if we're not sleeping and Melody, you talked about decision making, right? And so as much as we try, I mean, so my funny story would be like yesterday, I was like, you know, I'm too exhausted. Well, Fridays, we normally have pizza anyway, but went and got pizza. And like the question was, what toppings do you want on your pizza? Can I tell you, I was like, <laughs> I was a hot mess coming up with four <laughs> toppings. I was like, no, 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 maybe no. And I was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> Been a long day. I'm tired. Right? Um, yes. And so, again, just rem remembering, can we remember that our kids feel the same mm -hmm. way when they haven't slept? Um, and that's going to make a big impact on, you know, again, how big those emotions are. Um, and so, Melody, you also touched on some really great points um, that I, you know, would like to touch on as well. Um, and it's the point of staying calm and how key that is. Um, and of course, this is the hardest part, right? So this is the hardest, it's the hardest part, especially if you haven't gotten any sleep. So parents, mm -hmm. this is why it's so important. Take care of yourselves, yes. get your, get the necessary rest that you need. Um, but again, as an educator, uh, again, when I'm in those situations, as you said, Melody, where, um, you know, the child is trashing the room and, uh, maybe even being aggressive with other kids. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh my goodness, Marlene, like, how do you like do that? <laughs> right. And I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's not necessarily that, you know, there's anything spectacular about me, but it's that calmness. Right. So in the midst of all of it, um, I've, I've learned to remain calm. Um, and so, you know, you can't de-escalate an angry child while you're escalated yourself. Um, mm -hmm. you also can't calm a child down who is super excited and bouncing off the walls if you are matching that energy as well. So your response, as you had said, Melody, is key. Um, co-regulation is key. And so when I say co-regulation, I mean providing the child with a warm response that is supportive and that models the behavior that you want to see. Uh, I also have found validating their emotions and showing them that you understand that they are sad and that, you know, maybe they're really excited. Again, the holidays are coming up, right? Our kids are going to be very excited and filled with sugar and all of those things, <laughs> right? Their clothing mm -hmm. has changed. They're not <laughs> stressful. The weather's the weather. dark yeah. at mm -hmm. 4.45. Yeah. 
Exactly. Right. And so there's all of these things. And so being able to validate. And I think, again, this is something that I find um, is often missed. So I was, again, in this situation at a school to this this week and a student has a really hard time with transitions, was just having a meltdown going back to class. Um, and so for about 10 minutes was just screaming, was beginning to, you know, throw things. And the moment I said, I know you're angry, aren't you? You're really angry that you can't, you know, get that toy that you want. Uh, is that really make, making you upset? And they said, yes. And the moment I was able to put some words mm. to how they were feeling uh, in that moment, you just like his whole body, you just saw everything just kind of change. Um, and so just being able to recognize, like, again, your response, how you respond, being able to validate their emotions uh, is really important to help your child work through those big emotions. Yeah. So co-regulation, Marlene, I think is such a cool word because I hadn't heard that before uh, this podcast today. So I think that's a really great way of saying we're going to do this together right? Because yeah. co means together. So, you know, you're going to display the response that you want to see. And we're going to work on So if you want calm, you're going to display calm, yes. right? If you want to see it escalate, then you're also going to escalate. And I just want to say this too. I think, you know, years ago, it was almost seen as like kind of fun to rev a kid up right? When they're upset, like, oh, <laughs> look at you. Oh, you mad. We're going to be mad together. <laughs> Let's just both be mad, right? And then it's like <laughs> funny and kind of like a joke, but does that actually help? Right. And that's the thing that we really want to stress um, when we talk about big emotions because they matter. So if we're kind of like jumping in with a child and we're kind of like sort of poking fun at it, or we're using that as a way to regulate our adult emotions because we don't know how to calm the child down, then we're really just teaching the child that, you know, I'm kind of the joke, right? You know, I can get people to respond to me by laughing at me or, you know, because I've often heard comedians say, I'm only funny because of my pain, right? So mm -hmm. they weren't even able to talk about how they really feel because, you know, things have been made a joke. So we don't want to make a joke with their emotions, their big emotions. We want to be able to um, really help calm the child, uh, give a name to it, like you said, Marlene, and help them regulate. We're going to do it together. That was awesome. Yeah. So you're getting ready to say something next, Marlene. Oh, no, I'm just excited to hear what Rachel's scenic route way of dealing with big emotions is. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Um, big emotions are one of my favorite things to talk about. And people are like, that's weird. I'm like, no, there's all this neat things happening in the brain. It's really exciting um, to me. So this is where I get very escalated. Um, there's a ton of information so I am going to try to break it down into small chunks, but I do implore anybody that's listening, like if you want more information on any of these specific topics to reach out to one of us, because we all have a lot of background on it. Um, so the last episode, I talked a little bit about the three-part brain and the fact that all the sensory input 
anything that you hear, feel, see has to go through your survival brain. It's kind of a safety check. Um, and we're going to circle back to that. It's going to be a recurring theme with me, just so we're all aware. Um, but the survival brain tells us if we need to go into survival mode. And that usually falls under fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or fib. And yes, fib is a survival response. Maybe we can talk about that one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh but these responses are there to keep us safe. That's why validating um, and regulating the emotions is so important because these are necessary feelings. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our survival brain absolutely gets carried away, right? Um, especially when we're young and we're just learning what things are actually danger and what things are just a little alarming and new because the brain doesn't love new. Um, and for children, everything is new. So the alarms in the survival brain are really easily triggered in children, especially if they are sleepy, if they have allergies, if their diet is wonky, um, anything like that. Discomfort or the unease of change really sets up the brain to already be on edge. Mm -hmm. And children are always, like I said, always experiencing change. So child development, big emotions are very typical part of it and they need to be taught. They need to be co-regulated. Um, we're not here to train a new behavior or to mitigate and squash down feelings. We're here to learn how to manage them and what mm -hmm. appropriate responses are. So I have a few things that I'll try to go through and touch on. Um, to help manage some of these big feelings and help children manage some of them. So a big one is avoiding, like I call them hidden triggers. Um, it's sometimes it's us as the parents or the caregivers that really need to knock it off. Like it's on us. We're the ones that are setting our children off. Um, our responses can really impact how our children are going to respond. A major one is something that both Melody and Marlene touched on, um, which is matching your child's intensity. If they're yelling and you're yelling back, you're now both just in survival brain and the alarms are going off <laughs> and not get to the emotional or reasoning brain. You're just stuck. Yeah. That's so, so true. I can mm -hmm. attest to that, Rachel. Oh my goodness. It you is. cannot, you cannot. It's almost like when you just start yelling, it's like, let's just keep doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And that is a survival response. You are just in your survival brain. You can't reason. You can't do any of those things. That is biology. That is how you function as a human being. So next, we're going to dive into something. Um, when I was doing a parent coaching certification with Samantha Mo, she called it calming the fire. Um, I think of it more as like a bank in some ways, but I can get to that later. Basically, the idea is you are helping a child calm down and then later placing the expectations or talking about um, talking about what actions were appropriate and which ones were not appropriate. Um, 
again, a child and an adult, anybody, if the alarms are going off in that survival brain, you cannot access the emotional brain. You cannot access the thinking brain. You are trapped. You're stuck there until somebody comes in and settles it down. Everybody can chill for a little bit. And then you can circle back later and talk about what expectations need to be held when a big behavior like that happens. Hey, earlier you were really angry and you threw your shoes at me. Mm. What can we do next time? Yeah. What is our plan? And let them be part of that plan and then practice it. But in the moment, go ahead. And it's going to be that co-regulation, which I will get into in just a minute. So Rachel, I'm just, I'm going to stop you there because mm -hmm. I just think it's just so important uh, you know, what you said and just the activity of what's happening in the brain. Cause I think a lot of times as parents, we think it's a lot of willpower, like, mm -hmm. you Say know, that. we think, right. We think it's yeah. like, well, you know, you chose to, or mm -hmm. and they don't realize that, no, your child's brain is actually locked into again, right. That fight, flight, freeze, fawn, fib. <laughs> um, and they are unable to think logically it's it's like mm -hmm. they just can't and so i'm so glad that you um mentioned that thank you yeah that's such an important takeaway for me is knowing like we can't reason right now we can't talk about this right now because it's literally going nowhere <clears throat> all they're hearing is more and more pushback and reasons they're wrong and that's just mm -hmm. setting off more and more and more alarms um because that's a dangerous spot to be in when the people that care for you are coming at you and that's what it feels like, what's gonna happen? You're gonna go into fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one way, again, is getting ahead of that, being proactive, like you talked about, which I really loved. Um, so one thing that you can do to avoid big emotions, um, big negative emotions is to give a dose of happiness before a non-preferred task. And DOSE is an acronym that stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, basically all the happy chemicals that your brain makes. If there, well, there are certain things that you can do that releases those chemicals. And if you do those things before a non-preferred activity, your brain is already in a calmer state and therefore less likely to be set off as easily. So a really good one, um, the afternoon at my house is a little bit tough. My son comes home, he's exhausted, but we still have to practice piano. He doesn't love it. Um, mm -hmm. So we spend about 15 minutes just talking and playing or coloring or doing something silly. It's just that one-on-one -on -one time quality time with him my phone's away just that focus it might just be snuggles it might be reading a book and then i can say hey now it's time to go ahead and practice piano and he's a million times more willing it doesn't mean that sometimes there's not pushback mm -hmm. but going ahead and allowing them to feel happy before non-preferred tasks make them feel safe and safe so you so you're not just letting them have their own way, you mean? Oh, no. wild, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, and again, so I, I say that, right? Cause I think a lot of times, uh, you know, I've talked to parents and it's like, no, I'm not gonna give them their iPad now. Like they, they need to do like this, like right now, right? Not mm -hmm. realizing, well, you know what? If they're able to play for a little bit, if they're able to just shift their mind into something that's, you know, releases all of these chemicals, then you might actually be better off. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I think it's so important that we, um, Rachel, can I say this here? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's so important that we um, recognize when those breaks are actually happening. It's not always with an iPad. Like, for yes. example, yeah. um, my daughter has gymnastics after school every day now. So when she comes home, her job is to shower and get right on her homework because she's had the opportunity already to have that dose of happiness because gymnastics is her happy place. So I think if we recognize that the child has had that dose before the non-preferred task because gymnastics is preferred before the homework, then we can acknowledge even to the child when my child is older and I can just say to her, you know, we can't watch TV or we can't, you know, do another quote unquote fun activity that makes us happy because you've had gymnastics. So now you need to do this, um, this non-preferred activity. So I think it's if we understand what those preferred activities are versus the non-preferred, then when the child is engaged in that, then we can understand like, am I, because sometimes we, we ask ourselves, am I, am I doing this right? You know, I've heard yeah. parents say that too, like, am I, am I doing this right? Because you're the teacher and you know how to do this and I don't know how to do this. One thing about knowing how to do it is just understanding, you know, the process. So Rachel breaking this down, I think is so important. So again, what are the, even if you just make a list. What are my child's preferred things? Mm -hmm. Even if they're not yours. Gymnastics is not my happy place. Look, that was stressing me out <laughs> before I came home. Like, uh, -uh this is too much. I, but I used to love it when I was younger. I mean, my body was different. And my daughter absolutely loves it. So what are her non-preferred? What are your child's, you know, non-preferred? What are their preferred? And then, you know, when they've been engaged in that preferred, then you can, you know, ask them to do a non-preferred. Absolutely. Well, yeah and digging into that even a little bit more too it's knowing the expectations again children don't love change um so if your daughter for example knows it's gymnastics and when she comes home it's shower and right and homework mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's an expectation that's in place when you're changing things rapidly and all the time, that also really sets off the brain and causes a lot of anxiety to happen and so exactly like you said, what are the preferred and non-preferred? And is it built into your day? And as children get older, you can ask them, when would you rather do this? Um, mm. It started out with piano practice. He was like, I want to do it in the morning. And then he realized that he's very crabby in the morning and was like, just kidding. I will practice after <laughs> school, but not right when I get home. <laughs> Deal. Done. That's cool. It's like, I will practice after dinner. Eating is a preferred activity in our house. Um, so <laughs> that works out really, really well. Mm. Those are really great points. Thank you both for jumping in on that. Um, I'll talk a little bit briefly too about co-regulation and that leading to self-regulation. There is a quote from Gerard Costa, who's the founding director of the Center of Autism at Montclair State University. And I love, love, love this. And I want it printed on everything all the time. Um, 
And it's the brain is a social organ co-constructed with others. That was such a perspective shift for me. It is a social okay. organ co-constructed mm -hmm. with others. We don't expect children to just know how to tie their shoes. We're not like, here's some shoes, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Unless you're my grandma, that is how that works. <laughs> but we don't need to talk about that. Um, we show them, we give them space to practice. We show them again. Um, the same is true for self-regulation. We can't just expect children to know how to regulate their emotions. That's unfair and it's not practical and it's not going to get us anywhere. So we have to teach our children how to be calm. We need to share our calm with them. Um, this is something that really starts at birth and goes all the way through adulthood. Adults really love co-regulation too. If I'm really frustrated, I want someone to hold me. Like I want mm -hmm. that calm um, because the brain is a social organ. So you are sharing your calm versus adding to the chaos. Again, if you are yelling at your child versus allowing them to sit with you and showing them what it is like to calm down. You are giving them the opportunity to learn and practice how to regulate themselves and regulate their emotions and how to manage them and eventually how to verbalize them as well, mm -hmm. which is really, really important. Um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is specific praise and heartfelt appreciation because this kind of goes with that dose of happiness, right? We all love praise. We all like being told that we are valid and good and proud. People are proud of us. And so when you are able to give specific praise. Wow, I really love all the colors that you used in this. I can tell how hard you worked. Um, those types of things help build off of those happy chemicals. It really makes people feel like they belong, right? And again, mm -hmm. that decreases some of the anxiety. I do that a lot with my son who does not love homework. Um, wow, you really are focusing on this. I'm so proud of you. Nice work. Um, the other thing is heartfelt appreciation, which kind of goes with this. And there's a phrase that I like to use um, because some people need it very straightforward and that is okay. I am one of those people. So if you need a script, this is it. <laughs> when you blank, I feel blank because blank. When mm. you their actions. So when you come into the house and put your shoes right away and hang up your jacket, I feel your emotion proud because it's showing how responsible you're becoming. That's perfect. When you blank, I, you know, going through that. So those are all, again, that was a ton of very broad information, but just knowing that that's how the brain works. And to let yourself find your calm as a parent is so important. So important. It is. And that is just so beautiful. I love how you wrap up our episodes with that brain talk. It's like, now it's like my thing. 
Like I can't say it nearly as well as you, but like Marlene said, you know, we're just excited to hear it because mm -hmm. it's so important that we realize that as parents, it's not just a choice. Like we're like, well, it's your choice to act that way. Or it's, yeah. <laughs> you're doing this because you want to do this. Um, but it's not always a choice, right? Um, and I think it's so important that we realize how the brain works. So thank you so much for talking about that. So we're just going to go into our concluding thoughts uh, before we end today's podcast. And my thought is that big emotions are just a very real part of life. They are not something, and I've heard even Marlene say this um, and Rachel, it's not something that we want to squash or, you know, minimize as if, you know, they're not really there. Um, they are there and they're a part of life and they should be. Mm -hmm. No one should be experiencing one emotion all the time. You shouldn't be happy all the time. I know that's, that's something that we want. Like, I just want my child to be happy. I just want them to grow up and be happy. I just want to, I just want them to, you know, have a happy life. Unfortunately, we forget that th the other emotions are really part of who we are. We are in, we are emotional beings. We should experience anger. We should experience disgust. We should experience sadness. Um, it is a part of life. And I think the term has made more headlines in recent years, uh, big emotions, especially during and after the pandemic. I found more research on the topic and articles dating um, or dated in the year 2020 and 2021 than years prior. This just may attribute to the fact that we all, adults included, have had to face our own emotions. And it's hard to help regulate someone else's when you yourself may experience um, high stress. And um, I think for some of us, it's still happening because the pandemic is still happening. So I think it's so important to give yourself grace. Remember that you're growing and learning too. No one is, is perfect. No one is, has got all the answers. We are all learning together and we're all sharing together. And that's the whole reason for this podcast is to share together, learn together, grow together, um, and learn new ways uh, to parent better. So with that, I'm going to let Marlene share her thoughts as well. Yes. Okay. So I echo what you have said, Melody. I think it's so important that we continue talking about these big emotions again, not just with their kids, but within ourselves um, and ask ourselves, why am I so uncomfortable when my child shows these big emotions? And if it's uncomfortable, just again, because you have a hard time with your own feelings, or it, maybe it's because you, again, you just don't know what to do in those moments. And, you know, there's lots of support and we would definitely be happy to, to support you and to help you understand your child's needs. Um, and I guess that's my other point. So understanding, you know, a lot of times there's a need there that's unmet and understanding why am I seeing this behavior now is just so important. Um, you know, I'm always about understanding, you know, the why behind things before we kind of throw a bunch of strategies at it. And so understanding why you're seeing those big emotions um, in that time and taking a step back and again, reflecting within yourself, um, you know, why am I struggling with being able to handle this? These, these emotions mm -hmm. within myself or in my child um, are really uh, great ways to be able to start unraveling you know, how to, how to manage those big emotions. Absolutely. And Rachel, what are your concluding thoughts? 
Yeah, and you both said it so beautifully. So I'm going to keep it very short and simple. And all I really want to say is be comfortable with the idea of you don't have to respond in the moment. Find your calm so you can be your child's calm. It's okay to not deal with everything right then. Take care Absolutely. of you. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of the Family Nuggets podcast. And remember, if you have listened to this and you're thinking to yourself, man, I need more help with this. This was great. I really love what these ladies had to say. My mind is blown. I have taken away so much from this already, but I need just a little bit more. How can I contact them? Our information will be in the show notes. And we all have services that we offer. You can contact us. You can hire us. And we will help you along your parenting journey. It's what we love to do. Literally, it's what we love to do. We can talk about this stuff all day long. Um, It's something that we cherish. And um, again, reach out to us if we need help. We're, We're so happy to help. So thank you so much again for listening. And we will see you for the next episode, which is entitled Little Emotions. It does sound cute. It sounds cute, doesn't it? All right, ladies. We will see you next time. Everybody have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. For more information about this podcast and other services offered by Family Nuggets, just go to familynuggets.com. That's F-A-M-L-Y nuggets.com.